Welcome to Asking Eve, the regular podcast brought to you by Emily and Lara, the mother-daughter duo behind Advancing Eve. Our podcast series will bring you a variety of conversations with girls and women who are just like us and you, making their way through life. We hope you enjoy. Hi there, here we are again for another Asking Eve podcast. Thank you very much for joining us and I'd like to introduce and also thank my little sister Carla who has joined us on the podcast today. Hello Carla, how are you? I'm fine thanks, how are you? Yes, not too bad. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a very rainy evening here in the loft so if you hear a little pitter patter of raindrops it that literally is the pitter patter of raindrops. (laughs) So um, thank you for coming in tonight Carla. I know that it's difficult, it currently is 25 past 7 on a Wednesday um, evening where would you normally be right now and what would you normally be doing? Normally, I would be getting my five-and-a-half-month-year-old baby boy ready for bed at this time of night on a Wednesday evening. <laughs> and the be- this baby boy is the wonderful Jack Thomas White. Yes. And actually, it's uh, excellent that you introduced us to him because um, having a baby or motherhood in general is the topic of our podcast today. It is indeed. So we thought we would go back to when you were younger and ask you, did you always want to be a mum? Has that always been something you've wanted to do or looked forward to doing or felt felt like it was kind of your mission in life was to be a mum? Yeah. Um, so basically, from a young age, I've always wanted to be a mum. And um, I knew... The, the time that I knew I wanted to be a mum was when Emily was pregnant with you. Really? Yeah. So... There is a bit of an age gap between me and Emily. So I was 14 when you were born mm-hmm. and I was so excited to meet you for the first time, this new, exciting <laughs> baby, God, bo- baby girl. Either. And I knew then that I wanted to, I wanted the same. I was really? like, if my sister's got that, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> so I always Shoes, knew... Shoes, bags, makeup, babies. <laughs> so yeah, I always knew, because I've always looked up to Emily, you know, she's always been an inspiration, she's always been there for me and <laughs> my younger <laughs> sister. <laughs> so yeah, one oh, one on. part of that was, um, you know, you and favourite son, is it? <laughs> uh, Brody have always, you know... At, I've grew up with you's been part looked of my life us, and yeah. looked after you so it's always been in my nature to want that you know I want to be able to with my own kids not be babysitting Jack but to be decorating fairy cakes the same as I did for you so when cute. you were a yeah. child you know so I have had that kind of experience with you guys through Emily and mm-hmm. um, of you know that that sort of life and I've always always wanted to to follow that that path, yes. that one path of Emily's. <laughs> <laughs> so that's quite interesting. So that that's quite young, and I wasn't aware of that at all. Um, and Lara, you're just about to turn nineteen, yeah. and you say openly at the moment you don't want to be a mum. But people people will say to you, you can't possibly know that yet. You're you're only, you're 19, only yeah. nineteen, but you knew at the age of fourteen that you did want that. Yeah. So people shouldn't really be saying to you, Lara, that you can't know that. Because 
I think all my friends and stuff, they're the sort of main people that say it. And I think it's because they, like Carla, have been, you know, age 12, 13, 14, like playing mums and dads in like school and they've always wanted to have children. Whereas I have not once thought, oh, I'm going to be a mum. Like I've maybe had a fleeting moment where I've been like editing a podcast at like 3 a.m. And I'm like, maybe I should just pack it all in and like have a child and raise it. It's easier. Not. not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll totally agree with that. <laughs> But other than that, no, I've never, even, like, I love Jack, like, more than I ever imagined I would. Like, I know, people have so commented strange. on it, yeah. yeah seeing you with them. It is yeah. strange, but even then, it's still, I love him, but I still don't want my own. Do you know what it reminds me of? Um, I think it's the Twilight films, when they talk about how you, uh, when somebody, you imprint on somebody. Yeah. It's like Jack just imprinted on you and that was it. It was like mm-hmm. so, it, mm-hmm. your face and everything changes. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting though because when you were younger, you didn't ever play with dolls. You never wanted a pram. You didn't ever want a baby nope. doll or anything like that. So Just never yeah, really interesting. to me. Yeah. So what about motherhood exactly appealed to you, Carla? Like what well, part about it? Yeah, just kind of touching on what we used to do and we used to hang out or take you to the park and stuff mm-hmm. and, and just being responsible for another human being. Really? You know, like... Like being able to help them grow to be the person that they are, you know, teaching them how to read and write and all the general different responsibilities that you have really appealed to me. Like even now that Jack's here, I sit and look at Jack and go, I wonder what's going on in that little brain of yours and what can I do to enhance that brain of yours? You know, what can I do to help you? So like I sit, because it's just me and Jack most of the day. (laughs) So, um... I sit and he just sits and stares at me and I'll do like one, two, three, four, five with him and I'll put my hand in front of him and do the fingers so that he's like looking at the fingers, watching the fingers count mm-hmm. up and stuff. Can we just and say Jack's three weeks old? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's five and a half months. He's going to be a genius. <laughs> but no, but do you know what I mean? Just, just things like that. And I'm thinking, is that going in sort of thing? So yeah, I think that's always appealed to me just to be the person that has that responsibility and helps another person achieve is one of the reasons it's so funny when you so we quite often facetime or see photos or whatever and there was a really lovely one of him the other night sitting watching you in his little chair as you were in the kitchen and i was looking at the photo thinking i wonder if jack's sitting there going my mum's bonkers (laughs) she's crazy (laughs) mean jack have a lot in common if he is thinking hold on a minute while i work out this uh, (laughs) physics equation (laughs) Um, okay, so you've always wanted to be a mum since you were 14. Did you feel any societal pressure to be a mum? Like it was an expectation of you to... I don't think... Like, certainly at school I didn't feel there was a pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, at your age I didn't feel that there was a pressure. Um, I know going back on your pre- podcast before this that you touched on, like, pressures at grand's, you know, Christine Kellett's um, pressures <laughs> to be a mum. Uh, there was never that at school with us. It was always about what you're going to do after school. Are you going to college? Are you going to do this? And getting a career and achieving things before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly there was always this sort of, oh, I really want to have a husband and then children and things like that. There was there was talk of it, but it was always way down the line. So I never felt like there was a pressure. But, or a rush, yeah. Or a rush to do it. Um so yeah I didn't feel any pressure I put more pressure on myself to become a mum I think more than anything um and when I was 
I can't remember if I was late teens, early 20s, I was diagnosed with um, polycystic ovary syndrome. So reading into that um, then put pressure on myself because they were like, oh, it becomes harder after 25, 26 to become pregnant. So then you then put that pressure on yourself to think, oh my God, I have to do this now. Like, I have mm-hmm. to then find somebody and have a baby yeah, now. Yeah, because it's not just about having like, a baby, is it you actually no, need the other person? Person, yes, it's like the whole, that everything. sort of pressure. Yeah. But society didn't put that pressure on for me to to become a mum. It was myself that put that pressure on. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to say, I'm 33 now and I've still had a baby. So anybody that is listening to this that has polycystic ovaries, don't put that pressure on yourself because it absolutely can happen. Yeah. Um, it, you know, and yeah, it's early 30s. It's probably a little bit later than what I initially thought, but it still happened. It's and still just as special it's now. It's still just as special now. Probably mm-hmm. more so special now, yeah. going through that journey. Okay, so the whole idea behind Asking Eve is for us to ask questions and, and dig a little bit deeper um, with a view to hoping that somebody who is listening to this could be in a similar situation and can gain some sort of positivity from it or a little bit of inspiration for it, for it from it. So I'm going to talk a little bit now about your journey um, to becoming a mum with Jack because it, you've already touched on the polycystic ovary syndrome, but it wasn't simple and straightforward for you was it really so um talk to us a little bit about pre being pregnant trying to get pregnant uh, Mm -hmm. you know and anything else that happened along the way yeah so um i met my partner six years ago um and we spoke about children really early on in our relationship um purely because obviously my age and things as well but um he had a daughter already, Erin, uh, and she was eight years old at the time. So obviously he had got ch- he had children himself. So that top of topic of conversation came up really quickly, and he was really happy to you know to still have more children. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was discussed. Um. And obviously discussed that the fact that I had polycystic ovaries. Um. So when it was the right time for us, we decided to start trying. Um, but nothing really happened for about 18 months and we're like, mm, there's nothing really happening here, kind of let's go to the doctor. Um, and that's when I was referred to fertility um, clinic at the BGH just to kind of discuss further options for myself. Again, like I say, touching on the age thing because I was into my late 20s um, by then. So yeah, there was struggles there. Um, so yeah, I was on medication and things and uh, about two years ago I did fall pregnant um, and around 12 weeks um, I thought there was something wrong but I didn't think anything serious about it. Um, but however, got to the hospital and you know that dreaded the midwife's calling in the consultant kind of thing, you just know there's something just not right here. You know, they wouldn't be doing that. Um, and my older sister Emily was there with me. Yeah, can I just, this is not all, we don't want this to be all doom and gloom, so can yeah. I tell them the little funny story about this? Yeah, thing? I was so, going to. So you'd, oh, sorry, am I stealing your thunder? No, no, you can tell so the story. You'd called and said you were a little bit concerned about something and I haven't had a couple of children myself and having lost a baby myself as well, I, I'm just straight away, right, let's just go and get it checked out. If it's nothing, it doesn't matter. And if it's something else, then at least we know and we, we deal with it. So we'd gone, just the two of us. And when the consultant came in, even though I knew him, he actually said, 
are you a couple? Are you together? And I was like, no, I'm her big sister. <laughs> and my daughter goes to school with your daughter. How do you not recognize me? At this point, uh, the consultant was buckled over oh. the, the bed in stitches of laughter because he couldn't believe that he had made such a, such a mistake. <laughs> it is 11 years of junior, so secretly I was quite chuffed that he thought I could have pulled on somebody 11 years junior. <laughs> So yeah, it wasn't all doom and gloom, but yeah, it just wasn't the right time for us, um, which, you know, it is really sad um, and, you know, you, you go can, through can that we, struggle. Can we quickly talk about um, mm-hmm. about what was wrong? Because do you know what's really bizarre mm-hmm. is we did a podcast with a lovely lady um, and she has a PhD, she just got a PhD and um, she specialises in research into Turner syndrome and when I was doing the podcast with her I couldn't believe she said that because I had never heard of it before but your baby had Turner syndrome yeah which is a um, only female um, condition isn't it yeah it basically meant that you you just couldn't carry on with the pregnancy could you no I don't think any of us had heard about Turner syndrome before yeah it was when you read into it, it, it's it can be picked up at any age, really. Um, you know, the consultant kind of went into it as well. Um, it was picked up, you know, early on in my pregnancy. But people can actually have children and give birth to girls with Turner syndrome mm-hmm. uh, as well. So it's th- there's so much mountain of knowledge that you need yeah, for for yeah. such a syndrome. You know, um, but yes, the the lady um, would grow up with no reproductive organs and things like that. So there's a lot to do with Turner syndrome there. Um, but yeah, it was it was picked up at, at our scan. So, you know, it was it was sad um, to, to, to know um, that it wasn't for us. You know, she, she wasn't going yeah. to survive. And he, he had said, you know, the consultant said she's not going to survive mm-hmm, past, mm-hmm. you know there's just no way you're not going to go full term so if there was an in you know i don't think we would have been having the same conversation as we were were that day and if he felt that there was you know a glimmer because he obviously looked at my records and seen that you know i had been going through fertility treatment for a while um you know and he was probably just as sad as 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 we were Mm -hmm. um and funnily enough, he was my consultant for Jack. So he really? read back again and was like, oh, my God, it's so great to see you. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, it's it's nice in a way that they do read back at things like that. And then they they kind of remember themselves because you never think, oh, God, the amount of people that they see every day, they don't have to be like that. Mm-hmm. But but certainly, yeah, it was it was really sad at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So it, you had to go through a grieving process and I I think that this is a strange situation because um, I don't know that people appreciate really, or it's maybe not spoken about so much. When you lose a baby when in the early to medium stages of pregnancy, I don't think people realise that you have to grieve. Mm-hmm. So you you went through a, a grieving process. How, how did you go through that? And is there any kind of advice that you could give other women in a similar situation that might help? Yeah, I, sh- I struggled with it a lot. And I think it was, again, because I had put pressure on myself, you know, to be a mum made it worse mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I just kept feeling like, why is this not happening? Mm-hmm. What else can I do? Why what? Yeah. yeah, why me? 
kind of thing all the time. Because you um, want it so much and it's not, yeah. Yeah, because you want to be a mum and you think, God, you know, I, you know it's biology, you know you can't help it, you know, it's not, you know, I've got polycystic ovaries, that's, an, that's one challenge. But to have that challenge throughout, to then have this challenge to face, to think, oh God, it's hit me again. Like, when am I going to get a break? Yeah. When's this going to happen? And we actually, you know, I went back on it. It took a while, and then we went back on the treatment again. Um, and it was kind of my way of dealing with it. I thought, right, okay, I'm ready, let's... let's. But I didn't really put my heart and soul into it. I was just like, right, we'll just go back on the tablets and we'll see what happens, kind of thing. Um, and then when they told me that they could no longer give me the tablets... I was getting to, I think you could only be on the tablets I was on for just over 12 months. And because I had a, had a pregnancy in between, they allowed it to go on a little bit further. Um, and I was just like, but I think because I hadn't finished grieving, I probably shouldn't have started it as quick. But I thought okay. that that was going to be the cure. The cure. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, you know, your BMI is too high. Because other factors come into it, your BMI is too high. It doesn't, it's not as effective. Um, but because... I was still grieving. I wasn't thinking about exercise. I wasn't thinking about diet. I wasn't thinking about any of that sort of stuff. So I think I was grieving for a lot longer than what I initially thought I was going to be grieving for. Um, But I didn't deal with it the best way. And there was so many different counselling groups. There was so many different... You know, the hospital couldn't be... They couldn't have been nicer. They couldn't have been more helpful. They gave you all these things. There's a lovely charity called Simba. Um, You know, they, they... help out so many women and I just felt too scared to go through it because I and instead of doing that and speaking to other women that went through it I just shut myself off from it Mm um whereas you know my advice would be don't shut yourself off because you aren't the only one going through it yeah Yeah. take note go and do these things you know because ultimately like women are there to help other women and if someone mm-hmm. else is going through the same situation I don't think anyone yeah. would begrudge giving advice or Absolutely time not. into discussing it with mm-hmm. you and I think speaking to someone that's going through the same thing as you in any circumstance for any problem is always great help yeah um so yeah to other women reach yeah, out I to would others absolutely reach out to others mm-hmm. it was probably the one of the biggest mistakes I did was actually not using these people that are out there to help. It's something though, like when you look back, you're like, oh, of course I should have done that. But when you're in a grieving process, you're yeah, not you thinking rationally at no. all. No. Um, um, so yeah, so basically that's that's kind of, I didn't deal with it the best I could, but at the end of the day, I got through it yeah. and I did get through it myself. And when the consultant said that they weren't going to pre- prescribe me anymore and I was to come back in six months time six to eight months time and we would review it again I thought no I'm going to get myself out there I'm going to get exercise I'm going to get because it was taken away I thought no this is it I need to do this for myself and I stopped putting pressure on myself completely we stopped putting pressure on ourselves to get pregnant again and I had just said look I said to Stuart at the time I said I think it was March March April time I says if it doesn't happen before Christmas I I have to give up. I can't keep putting myself through this. I can't go through every single month hoping and praying (laughs) that I was going to be pregnant. And with polycystic ovaries, you don't have regular period. So as much as you might think, oh, I'm late. Well, actually, you're just not having a period this month because you're so irregular. It's not the fact that you're pregnant. And to go through that every single month to, to, 
do a test and go oh negative again I was just like I can't I physically can't keep doing this to myself and we were both in the agreement that if it didn't happen that year between then and Christmas we were giving up we were just going to give up and it's really quite hard to try and explain that feeling so um so I had a uh, I was pregnant before I had Lara and I miscarried um and I so I hadn't planned to get pregnant no. um I didn't say I wanted to have a baby um m- me and your dad got married and I just was pregnant straight away but it was never planned so I didn't want a baby you know it wasn't a, a planned thing and then I, m- I miscarried and then by that time I had realized I had wanted to have a baby and between the point of miscarrying the baby to getting finding out I was pregnant with you it is all I could think about and mm. I don't think it's you can can you really explain to people because it sounds almost dismissive. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, well, what does it matter? It'll happen if it's going to happen. Like you literally, I think it's maybe something hormonal. Or yeah, there's something there that really drives it, eh? mm-hmm. which I suppose it would have to because that's how the human race carries on. Eh? Absolutely, if women don't really want to have babies. Then we wouldn't have babies ever, you know. Absolutely. Um, so I can totally understand what you must have been feeling that mm-hmm. every single month for all of that time and and how horrendous it must have been for you living through that yeah so it was horrendous and do you know i know it doesn't happen for every woman at all i know i know that um it, it doesn't always happen like that but we did eventually conceive naturally and how but, did you feel when you found out you're pregnant again nervous Oh, interesting. Nervous. You would feel nervous, wouldn't you? Yeah, but do you know, you just... Was that your first initial, oh, I'm nervous? Or did you have a fleeting moment of, yes, and then did that sink Well, it's quite funny, actually, because I had a feeling I was um, actually away on a holiday with uh, Stuart and Erin and um, my mum and my sister at the time. And I said to my wee sister... Still her mum and sister. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No, no, that's me. Um, yeah, so I was away Apologies. with them, uh-huh. yeah, and um, I had said to my sister, I'm either getting my period or I might be pregnant, and then mm-hmm. I never really thought anything of it. And when we came back, I did the test, and I couldn't believe it. I was just like, oh, my God, this is happening. I'm, I'm scared. I'm nervous. What if it happens again? And how did you... So... Maybe I hadn't had enough time reflecting between like the first loss and like because now know you now looking back you know that you would have done things differently, but like in that moment had you did you know how to manage the fear of having a miscarriage again because of what had happened the first time or again did you just kind of not really know how to deal with it at the time? Didn't know how to deal with Didn't it at the time, uh, at all. I'd, the fear was just there. I remember thinking, because I could see she was really, really struggling um, after the miscarriage or after losing the, the first baby. And I, all I could think about the whole time was, oh, God, please. Oh God, I think please, as a whole please. family, we were like, please, please. you just knew that it would, be, it would just have destroyed you, really, I think. Yeah. And because I was so nervous and because I was so scared... And we found out really early on in my pregnancy, I was... It made you moody. <laughs> it just... Treated it mildly. <laughs> yeah. But I was too scared to tell anybody. Yeah. 
know. Like the fear was there to tell anybody because I thought if I start telling people and then I have to let them down. You didn't. You told me before you told mum, didn't you? You did because you yes. don't tell your family. I told. I actually told Lara um, before I told everybody in the family because. Lara no says, way! I didn't know. By the, the first. way, so, I thought I was so, well up there. No, I told Lara because Lara was having a really hard time at uni because she was in her first semester at uni and she had I not was, long went correct. long yeah. went away, and we went up to meet her for dinner, you and did, yeah. and she was really sad, and I told her at the table when um, when Lauren yeah, and, and Christy right. Gran weren't there. And I told her because I thought I might make her happy you did. by telling her. That's cute. Yeah, That's cute. You two I are did. such a bond. <laughs> so I did. I did tell Lara uh, first, but yeah, the nerves were always there. And what advice would you give to someone to manage the nerves if they were in a similar situation now that you've kind of been through that? Yeah, I would. I would definitely advise people to relax because every pregnancy is completely different, and you have to treat every pregnancy completely different, or you will have the fear like I did. And I wouldn't advise to have that fear the whole way through, no. um, because you want to enjoy it, yeah, um, and try and enjoy it as much as possible. But I certainly would say to them that you need to treat everything different. It'd be like going into a new job. It's it's every every different milestone yeah, that you yeah. go into is different. And I I wish at the start that I had treated it like a whole new milestone rather mm-hmm. than thinking this is going to be the same as my last milestone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what was your favourite thing about being pregnant? The the whole feeling actually. So <laughs> she's so cute. Thing. You should see her wee face. She's like smiling so, and all. Um, <laughs> I really started to enjoy it, and um, when he started moving. Mm. So when when you can actually see your belly moving, and when they start getting their little pattern inside you, and um, so Jack was always really active at eleven o'clock in the morning at work, uh, and it was really quite nice. And I used to always perk up about them, but thinking oh he's good and I always thought oh it's because I've had breakfast you know (laughs) so he's all excited because he's now got his breakfast kind of thing and it was just that sort of thing was really really nice and uh, he used to do it at night time as well and when I was in the bath so yeah that was my favorite bit about it um was when he and then also I think it took the fear away because he was moving so I knew he was okay so it took that anxiousness away from me because I was like you're all right you're all right you're in there you're fine yeah yeah and that started to take it away as well do you miss being pregnant do you know what I actually said that to Stuart the other day I said I can see why people go back and do it again I um we've already said that you know Jack's our special little boy and and that's you know he's got his older sister Erin so he's you know, he's, he's really lucky that he's got yeah. a sibling um, as well. So it's it's fine. I'm quite happy that I'm just going to have one child um, because one was enough. You know what I mean? Because of everything that I went through, I think mm-hmm. one was just enough. So I was really, really chuffed. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> so talking about uh, the arrival of lovely Jack, um, COVID-19 goodness yeah. knows when you lovely listener are going to be listening to this podcast but 2020 has been an interesting year and we're living through COVID-19 it was starting to kind of build February early March um, and within days of you giving birth the the UK went into full lockdown um, 
What did you feel about that? How did that impact on your first few days as a new mum? First few days into months, I might add. Yeah, so um, it was really weird. It was really strange, even in the hospital, you know. So, like like you say, we, we hadn't went into official lockdown. It was there in the background. Everybody knew it was going on. You know, there was a lot of people saying, oh, it's just the flu, you know. Yeah. Nobody really kind of knew a lot about it then. And um, so... I, I was in the hospital and I was the only one in the ward, you know. So I was like, well, where's... Because I had actually said to the midwife, where is everybody? Mm -hmm. Because I was in the labour ward and I could hear other mums. Like, so I was like... "Mm, Singing. Singing, yeah. Um, Singing through gas and air. Um, (laughs) So I was having a section. um, So... Yeah, I I actually asked the midwife at night, like, where has everybody gone? She was like, oh, they're all getting discharged early because of COVID. You're the only one in the ward. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's when it became real. And I thought, oh, God. Um, And I just remember thinking, I want out of here. Um, And then, yeah, six days in, COVID hit. And there was pros and cons. So the pro was uh, Stuart was furloughed. So he managed to have... Uh, eight weeks off with me and baby Jack and mm. we were in our own little bubble, the four of us um, in the house and it was absolutely magical to have that time, you know um, in the UK men don't have any longer than two weeks paternity so mm-hmm. we were like loving the fact that he was at home and we made the most of it even though we were only at home and we had our one daily walk a day um, you know pushing the pram around and it was so weird because there was nobody else around there was no cars on the road it was really really but it was nice yeah Yeah, but it was nice because we were in our own family bubble but I really missed everybody else so I miss aunties coming to visit grannies coming to visit and the impact on that you know Stuart's um Parents are are older, so like technology, like Zoom and FaceTime and stuff, they didn't have any of that. So it was like photographs getting sent by email was the only way that they could see (laughs) Jack develop, which is so weird. Yeah. Um, So the struggles there were like meeting other mums, you know, the impact of that. And then the impact on Jack as well. So Jack wasn't then engaging with other babies either so he wasn't getting a feel for for other people other than us so um so that was a bit of a negative as well um that's quite important isn't it right from the very early days yeah like having your group like having your baby group and stuff so we started doing zoom chats every week and getting ourselves through it once everybody in the you know once the five babies came along kind of thing and we were you know right this this lockdown's going on a bit longer than what we thought let's (laughs) you know let's start our our own zoom coffee coffee morning on a friday kind of thing but yeah just when we started to come out of lockdown and, and jack was starting to meet people that's when you really noticed that he was Shocked, shocked and estranged sh- yeah. by oh my god who are all these people who are all these new faces it's you know and it, it took him a while to then sort of come to the round to the fact that there was other people in the world mm-hmm. kind of thing so there's seven billion of us <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely so so yeah there was pros and cons for for covid really and that way you know when Stuart went back to work then I was like oh my god I'm back to on my own but I'm still in this lockdown situation um how do you but, find the dynamic of being like within the father mother balancing the 
the role of being a parent like are you pretty even and how much you we were at the start because we were both at home but, now <laughs> but yeah but now um I'll touch back on what Emily said in her podcast in the last podcast that dynamic fair changes when you become a mum you know mm-hmm. the responsibility is all you know or you're doing the night feed because you're not working the next day well bringing up your son is working (laughs) (laughs) not to say I feel not listen (laughs) but um, but yeah so I do think that you know a lot of the that kind of responsibility does go back on the women yeah falls on you and you're planning to go back to work kind of relatively soon but do you wish that you could be a stay-at-home mum absolutely absolutely I do and um yeah I just I would just love to be a be-at-home mum. Mm-hmm. I would love to be there every day and not have to work. But me and Stuart have already discussed that, you know, I'll hopefully just go back part-time mm-hmm. um, and, and still work. Um, but we've also decided between the two of us that we want to do the best for Jack and Erin. And we want to work hard and we want to have you know be mortgage free early we want to have this you know and everything that we're going to do now is to help Jack and Erin throughout their life and benefit them later on so really going back to work is is something that I have come around to to like Mm -hmm. in you know when I was 14 I would have you know when I wanted to be a mum I was like yeah I want to be a be at home mum I want to do home baking you know fresh <laughs> baby yoga yeah <laughs> you know fresh dinner on the table every oh, night <laughs> but yeah but now I feel that um my I've changed in, in myself as a person and feel that these things that we are going to do now is for our children as they grow up. That's so, which is very good. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. so you think in society as a whole, um, obviously, again, going back to one of our earlier podcasts when we spoke to um my grand Carla's mum about how she was expected to be the just a mum. That was her main societal expectation. Do you think that that's changed now? As in, there's actually the expectation to not want to be a stay-at-home mum and to have a career and then be a mum? Or do you think it's just kind of a do what you want to do, women are free to be a mum, be a Yeah, I think woman. each each different... Uh, every woman will be completely different how they answer that question, I feel. Okay. Um, I feel that some mums will f- want to be that be-at-home mum and if they're lucky enough and they can afford to do that, great. I think society in itself developed. I think back grand's day, life was a lot more simple. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way, I just mean as society evolves the need for things are totally different I think things are more expensive the cost of things if you want to have these things you know work is part of that earning money is part of that so um so yeah if you I just feel that that's sort of changed people's persona but every mum would answer that that question completely different yeah and in our five I hope they don't mind me saying this because some of them listen in our five they all have different only some of them (laughs) (laughs) but do you know what I mean all five of us have different reasons of what we're going to do you know two of us unique to each mum it's totally unique to every mum and like I say before that um there's no judgment from either up any of us for what the other one wants to do which is good ultimately because why should women judge other women like we have enough of that from 
yeah like what what you know one of the ladies probably could work be a be-at-home mum and not have to go back to work and they could afford to to do that but she's in her dream job so she doesn't want to give that up Mm -hmm. so that's one reason there's other reasons that we just want to go back part-time because we want to still you know we want to do both or whatever but you know it's it's everybody's completely different and how how they what they want to do but certainly for me myself is um I want to do the best for Jack and Erin and um to do so I'll be going back to work mm-hmm. which is perfectly okay I had a slightly different um feeling when you were yeah. six weeks old <laughs> I remember going to Gran's work and crying and saying to her I can't believe she doesn't go to school till she's five. <laughs> I need a job. <laughs> the the good thing now as well, like you say as well, is the like the the childcare and things. You get thirty three hours of childcare, so you know women could go back for thirty hours a week instead of thirty five. You know that's evolved as well. You know I don't know was that no. offered when Lara was that age. You know that they can Definitely go at three not, years old. You uh, know? Not to that extent at no. all. So. No. That's evolved as well to allow women to go back to work if they want to go back yeah. to work, you know, which is, um, which is great. I mean, you know, it's great that the government offer that, yes. that you get free childcare from three years old. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So we've got one more question. Um, what is your favourite thing about being a mum? Other than Jack. Do you know what... Um, I was really lucky that Stuart had a daughter as well. So I had a little touch of motherhood mm. already. Uh, yes, I'm not her mum, but do you know, I like the fact that I'm there and I can support her and chat to her. And same with you guys when you were growing up as well, because, you know, I've grew up with you as well. So I've always had that sort of in out thing. But now when you've got your own child and you hold your first Oh, I can't, you can't even describe when you hold your first child, you know, yeah. it's just so beautiful, it's just such a lovely feeling, the hormones that go through your body is just <laughs> unbelievable and I'll cherish those moments forever and I, the whole thing, I just, you know, the ups and downs, the sleepless nights, you know, he's, sometimes he's up all night, other nights he's not, but you just roll with it, you know, yeah. you're like, but I wouldn't change it for the world. No. Yeah, that's he really is nice. an absolute He is gem. adorable, yeah. If Carla allows, we'll put a photo of Jack up. Because he's Along just, with the podcast. Yeah, he's just so adorable. <laughs> he's so cute. So, well, thank you very much. I think that was really insightful. And again, I think we've already said, if anybody listening can gain any little bit of inspiration from that, then it's been well worth sharing your story. Absolutely. Um, I think it's only right and proper that we end with a little tale of when you were a baby and so I was 11 when you were born so I used to play mum and um, I still remember to this day you were lying on your changing mat and I was sitting in the chair changing you leaning up leaning down and I dropped the Johnson's baby powder on you and it went all over your face so that you couldn't breathe and you were like getting all in a fluster and I was like oh my god I can't get this powder off the baby's face oh. and then I started pushing the towel over your face and everything so it's really a miracle that you're here and me yeah definitely clearly you improved marginally marketing not, ma- not motherhood <laughs> Okay, so uh, thank you very much and we'll see you later. See you later. Bye. Bye.